The following is a hoop bowl presentation. What is going on? It's the Hoop Ball Clippers podcast. We are back after recharging our batteries for a couple of weeks. We are back to talk Clippers basketball. Today's guest is going to be Adam Osland. You hear him on the radio before Noah Eagle as he does the pregame show, the halftime show, and the postgame show on 570 AM Sports here in Los Angeles. He'll join me. We'll talk about the Clippers, what they've got going on in the offseason, his thoughts on the coaching search, and what it's like to balance fandom versus providing actual news on a team and actually hosting a show, whether it be the halftime show or the postgame show when he's taking calls. So we'll talk about that. Before we get to that, I do want to congratulate anybody that listens to this that is a Laker fan. Congratulations on that NBA title. The Lakers were the best team this season. Just an incredible job from start to finish. This team has two stars in AD and LeBron. The Clippers obviously have their two stars, but the one thing that's a big difference is that the Lakers and their pieces around LeBron and AD just worked perfectly. Everyone had a role, and everyone knew what they needed to do to get that title. And Frank Vogel was tremendous. He adjusted. That's one thing the Clippers fans wanted Doc to do was to adjust. And whether it be starting Dwight Howard and then whether it be benching Dwight Howard and starting Alex Caruso, all moves that need to be made, Vogel ended up making as he saw what was going on. He made adjustments on the fly. So that was good to see that a coach does that. And the question is, can the new Clippers coach do that? Whoever that might be. We'll talk about that with Adam and who that coach is going to be. Before we get though, before we get there though, we got to tell you about our friends over at Manscaped. You've heard me talk to them, talk about them before. You have, you know exactly what they do, but if you don't, I mean, come on. They've got a product in the Lawnmower 3.0 that is legitimately one of the best hair trimmers you will use. Manscaped is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. They obsess over their technology developments, provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Whether you're grooming your beard, whether you're grooming below the belt, the Lawnmower 3.0 with Manscaped has got you covered. What they do is they have this cutting-edge ceramic blade that reduces manscaping accents because you wonder how can you use the Lawnmower 3.0 near a very sensitive area. Well, they make sure that their product is one of the best. Their water-resistant technology allows you to groom in the shower. Also, they have this LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. It's really impressive what they're doing. I want you to get the Lawnmower 3.0. What you do is you go to manscaped.com, get 20% off plus free shipping with the code HOOPBALL20. That's HOOPBALL20. You get 20% off and free shipping. And enjoy. Really, do enjoy. Come back and let me know what you think. And also, this podcast is brought to you by one of our newest sponsors. It's ExpressVPN. And oh boy, okay. I was curious what this was, okay? Because I've heard of people using a VPN and getting shows in different locations, whether it be someone that wants to watch a baseball game in LA, but it's blacked out because they don't have the channel. Well, what you can do is that VPN, 
not only protects your privacy and security online, but it takes TV watching game to the next level. You can use a VPN to unlock movies and shows that are available in other countries. What do you do? You fire up the ExpressVPN app, change your location, whether you want to watch something in the UK, for example, change your location in the UK, refresh Netflix, and there you go. What VP, ExpressVPN does is they hide your IP address and lets you control where you want sites to think you're located. You can choose from almost 100 different countries. So just think about all the Netflix libraries you can go through. There are hundreds of VPNs out there, but the reason I use ExpressVPN to watch shows is it's ridiculously fast. There's never any buffering or lag. You can stream in HD, no problem. It's compatible with all your devices, phones, media consoles, smart TVs, and more. So you can watch what you want to go either on the go or on the big screen, wherever you are. If you visit my special link right now, expressvpn.com slash hoopball, you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. Support the show, watch what you want, and protect yourself at expressvpn.com slash hoopball. Also, a big shout out to our friends over at Dash Radio. And hear this podcast on the Nothing But Net station. They do an incredible job over there. So big shout out to our friends over at Dash Radio. Okay, let's go ahead. Let's talk some Clippers basketball with Adam Osland. Always great to have this guy on the podcast. You hear him on AM570, whether it's pregame, halftime, postgame, or all over the place. It's the FNA podcast as well that you uh, can hear from time to time. What else am I missing, Adam? I know you have that Saturday show as well. Is that still going on? Nope, got canceled. I'm oh, sorry. okay. Well, <laughs> well, I feel like an a-hole. Why would you bring that up, Brandon? No, it's all good, brother. <laughs> it's good to be back on with you. How are you? Uh, it's good. I'm doing all right, man. It's great to talk to you. Um, weird that we're talking the day after the Lakers win the title. I mentioned in the intro, big congratulations to uh, all the Lakers fans. And, uh, yeah, I mean... The Lakers are a team that were just dominant, and I said in the intro that it's a team that had two stars just like the Clippers, except that the pieces just seemed to mesh a little bit Lake better for the Lakers. They knew their roles, and they bought in defensively, and when adjustments need to be made with Vogel, whether he's starting Dwight Howard in a game or then he's benching Dwight Howard and starting Caruso, he made all the adjustments. It just seemed like the Lakers did more of the little things right than the Clippers. What was your kind of thinking as you watch the Lakers go and win the title while the Clippers were at home. I agree with you there. I thought they developed better team chemistry habits and that started from really early in the season with them. There was that stretch where I think they won 17 games straight before the Clippers beat them again on Christmas day. And they really just gelled and meshed early. And I think a lot of people felt like it was going to take a lot more time for LeBron and Anthony Davis to get things together. And because at times in LeBron James's career, big men had been marginalized when they played next to him with Chris Bosch being the third banana, however you want to put it Hmm. in Miami, but he wasn't the 24 and 12 guy. He was in Toronto. And then Kevin Love, had to step out and take a lot more jumpers and three-pointers in Cleveland. But credit to them and credit to LeBron James for making that adjustment and saying from day one that he wants Anthony Davis to be the guy, to be the number one option. And he led them in most statistical categories during the regular season. And then in the playoffs, they were a two-headed monster. You could count on them for 60 points combined every night. And even though LeBron James ended up winning finals MVP, 
I thought throughout the majority of the playoffs, you could make the argument that Anthony Davis was just as good, if not better. And I wasn't shocked by that because he was 30 and 13 in 13 games played in the playoffs with the New Orleans Pelicans. Now, obviously, the stakes weren't as high. He wasn't a Los Angeles Laker, and they weren't going deep into the playoffs. But he was great, and he has shown that propensity to be great in the playoffs. And he turned out to be the perfect complement to LeBron James this season and just in where LeBron James is at in his career right now. So that one-two punch, it's here to stay. LeBron's still not aging. He's 35 going on 36, and he could still put his head on the rim. It's incredible. We've never seen anyone with that longevity before at a, that high of a level, at that high of a peak in their prime. Yeah, and if you add in the number of minutes he's played in the postseason, it's like this guy who is in his 17th year, all of a sudden has played like 20 years, basically, with all the postseason games he's played. So it's unbelievable what he's doing at his level. I want to talk about the Clippers in a little bit and just the coaching search and your thoughts on the season. But there is one question that I've been meaning to kind of ask you as I've watched you during this process on Twitter and how you're interacting with people and your positivity. And obviously you have a job to do as the person that is relaying the information, whether it be pregame, halftime, postgame, but at the same time, there is a part of you, I'm sure that becomes a fan of a team, but you have the ability to separate the two. And so I wanted to ask you how difficult it is to stay even keeled when you see, for example, that Zoo is a plus 30 in a game and Trez <laughs> is a minus 25 and you don't go crazy like everybody on Twitter is. I mean, if you were to go and be like, so, there are people that I would name on Twitter who go crazy during games, then it would be an issue. But you obviously have a way of compartmentalizing it, if that's how you pronounce that word. You just do a great job of doing that. I want to ask you how, because it can't be easy there has to be some frustrations inside of you, but when you vocalize it, you're staying calm and even keeled. I'm so close to the situation. Sometimes it's hard to get outside myself. And I know that is one of the biggest criticisms of Doc Rivers. And it's been like that all season long. And according to the athletic and our friend, Yovan Buha, that was one of the issues or one of the philosophical differences between Doc Rivers and the rest of the front office and Steve Ballmer is how much he played Monster Trez and Montrez Harrell. Mm -hmm. And I do want to preface this by saying I love Doc Rivers as a man, as a coach. I still think he's a top five coach in this league. I'm going to be rooting for him in Philadelphia, but that doesn't always mean he's a top five coach or the best coach for this Clippers team. And I felt like in the end, one of his biggest strengths became his weakness, which is that he's such a player's coach and he will allow you to fail and play through it. And I thought it reached a little bit of a breaking point with Montrez Harrell through no fault of his own because he just hadn't played organized basketball in five months and obviously wasn't himself out there. But in the last three games of that series against the Denver Nuggets, he played 35 minutes on the court with Nikola Jokic and the Clippers were outscored by 47 points. That was basically the series. And again, I don't blame him, but I felt like Doc Rivers was loyal to a fault there. And that's one of the reasons players love him and they want to play for him. But obviously it, it came to a point where it reached critical mass 
and it just wasn't sustainable having him out there every time with Nikola Jokic. And it was unfortunate, and I don't put everything on Doc Rivers. That was the main reason you could say they lost the series, but you could point to all types of analytics where guys were missing open shots in second halves. They were shooting 24% from three on open threes in the second half. There were uncharacteristic things that happened in that series. And also, they were going up against a team who had all the confidence in the world in the Denver Nuggets who had just come back down 3-1. And Jamal Murray was finding himself and growing as a player in the bubble and turning into what could be a superstar-like career. I've always thought he could be an all-star, a top 12 player in a couple more years with more seasoning. But it was the wrong matchup and the wrong call at the at the worst time, unfortunately. So, you know, I saw it like fans did. And I took the phone calls on how many people wanted Doc Rivers fired. And it started at game five and then game six and then game seven. But it's not my job as the host to call for anyone's job. I've never felt like that. Yeah. I've never wanted to be that type of person because first of all, I think it's bad karma and it's mean spirited. And, you know, I'm also too close to the situation. I've talked with doc rivers. I like doc rivers. I will give fans a voice though, as long as they keep it clean and somewhat respectful. So it was difficult. <laughs> I won't lie. That last game, the first phone call I got after they lost in game seven, after being up three games to one, and it was such a disappointing way to end the season, the first caller said it was the worst day of his life. And so it turned into a therapy session <laughs> on Clippers talk post game. The tenor of the show changed very dramatically because as much as you can say, in some ways it was their most successful season. It's as far as they've ever been. And they had the most successful offseason that became a destination franchise, getting Kawhi and Paul George. On the other hand, it turned into the most disappointing season with how things ended. And it wasn't even just that they blew a 3-1 lead, but being up 16, being up 19, being up 12, and just completely unraveling that fourth quarter of Game 7 where they went seven minutes without scoring a field goal. It was unbelievable. It, it was hard to predict or see a collapse like that coming from this particular Clippers team. This wasn't Lob City. This was a team with Kawhi Leonard. So I understand all the frustration out there. And I, again, I love Doc Rivers. I'll always be a fan of his, and I wish him nothing but success moving forward. And any level of success the Clippers have, and when they do finally break through that barrier and win the NBA championship, I'm always going to feel like he's part of the foundation. He and CP3 and Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan, and those guys were always a part of this in turning this franchise around because Doc helped them become a winning franchise, but I think Steve Ballmer is going to take them to being a championship franchise. Yeah, 100% agree, and you make a lot of good points there, and it, it started with Doc, man. I mean, he legitimized the team. I mean, he was able to get this team through the Don Sterling saga. He was able to get this team to become a legit contender. So I, I won't take the doc slander on Twitter. Uh, there are some people who are saying that he's not a great coach. I disagree completely. Winning a title is very difficult. It is very difficult. And he has won it once. And he got there again a couple of years later and did not win. But this is a guy that is a tremendous head coach. And he just did not make the adjustments. And so for you, basically what you're saying is that you were so close to the team that you couldn't really have that frustration as much as someone that is a fan from the outside and is watching on Twitter and lives and dies by this team. 
Well, let me put it this way. Even if I did have that frustration, I would not let it be known on the air because <laughs> I need to be a professional. I need for to sure. do my job. And I've been so lucky just getting to work for this organization that I mostly worry about myself and trying to do the best pre half and post game shows I can possibly do and everything else, you know, it's all a bonus to me because I was with this team a couple of years ago when they didn't even make the playoffs and we were doing season recaps because it was for a team that overachieved. We didn't do that this last season because I thought they underachieved and I thought it was beneath the expectations of where I thought this Clippers team could go. And we just took calls and let people vent. And I don't think anyone even swore actually. So Clipper nation, good on you for that post game after game seven, that was not easy. And I love the passion of Clippers fans. And obviously I've always been a Clippers fan because when I was growing up in Sacramento, I was not much of a Lakers fan. And then I was down here in Southern California And it was just natural for me to gravitate towards the Clippers instead of the Lakers. So it is my true self. Uh, I'm trying to be honest about it, but I also am not going to have too harsh of criticism uh, post game, especially when it comes to, you know, talking about somebody being fired like that. Uh, Yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah. And I wouldn't expect you to, I wouldn't expect you to talk about somebody being fired and saying, yep, this person should be fired. It's more of just like, oh, God, and just being, I mean, after game seven, I was just depressed. I I was so depressed. And it was just, I felt like, you know, I've been stabbed right in the gut. And and to do what you do, yeah, you definitely got to have that professionalism. So kudos to you to being able to manage the situation and steer that ship because that's not easy to do in a situation like that. Did you, uh, did you get calls from Jeff and Tarzana? Is he still calling up? Cause he, he has been, I, I Jeff t- and Tarzana is still a regular Brandon. Oh my God. I've told you the Jeff and Tarzana story, right? That I used to be a intern at ESPN radio back in the day. And I used to, uh, work on the Siciliano and Thompson show with Michael Thompson. And he used to call every single time during between noon and 2 p.m. And it's wild. I, I It was crazy. And so I obviously knew of Jeff and Tarzana because of that. And he came over to the Clippers side. And he's actually been the past couple of years much more positive than uh, from what I knew of his reputation. <laughs> <laughs> and we get along. I usually bring him on as the last call of the night. He closes things out. Yeah. But – it, it, look, it was a devastating way to end the year, and I understand uh, how disappointing that was. And I did point out the stats with Montrez Harrell and Abita Zubats. You can't do this job and completely you know, have a blindfold on or else you lose credibility. That is part of the story, and it's something we talked about all season long with people asking Abita Zubats to play more. And it ended up being their Achilles heel. Was Doc in a tough spot because Montrez Harrell just won six man of the year because he has a contract coming up? Yes, I believe so. And because if he doesn't play him, he could lose him for the rest of the playoffs. Uh, and eventually they were going to need him. Yeah. But it was just so catastrophic the way they lost those last three games. It, it was really, it was a tough pill to swallow for Clippers Nation. But you know how you know Clippers fans are great fans because they're still fans of this team. 
because they are ride or die fans and they know good things are still coming because Steve Ballmer is going to prove to be the best owner in sports. Yeah. We enjoy pain. It really is just as simple as that. And enjoying it will make the championship that much better when it does happen. Cause I do truly believe that it will happen with Steve Ballmer as owner and with Kawhi and Paul George, I believe it does happen, but the first order of business now is finding a head coach and you're someone that knows this organization a little bit better than others on the outside. And Tyron Lue is being considered as a favorite. There have been other names been thrown out. What are your thoughts on Tyron Lue and how he would do with this team? Because there's the thought that maybe it's not wise to have someone that was on the bench with Doc Rivers. And if he agreed with the playing zoo or playing Trez over zoo, maybe that's not the guy that should be on the bench. Or maybe he's someone that disagreed and just Doc had the say. I mean, do you want to go far away from the situation of what just happened? Or are you comfortable with what Doc has done as a coach and knowing that Ty Lue has won a title with Cleveland and LeBron James and that he knows what it takes to manage these stars? Which side would you go towards? I tend to side with promoting from within. Because we don't know if Tyron Lue would have done the same thing or would have had the same flaws as Doc Rivers. And I tend to think just by the fact of how he turned things around in Cleveland, where he came into a situation with a team that had championship aspirations, they get rid of David Blatt in January of 2016. And what I noticed immediately was he commanded respect and to do that with LeBron James says a lot because they had it out on the bench. I think there's YouTube mixes of those two guys yelling at one another. And you can only do that if you have maybe the best player ever's respect. And so as much as people bag on Tyron Lue of just being there and name only, coach and name only, it was still LeBron's team. I disagree with that. I think he's good with X's and O's. And I think his demeanor and his leadership qualities could be very good for this Clippers team. Whether or not they go that direction, who knows, but I don't think it's a bad one. This was just what was reported by Adrian Wojnarowski initially, that they were looking at him and obviously Jeff Van Gundy. And while Van Gundy hasn't coached in 13 years, it would almost be like John Gruden coming out of the booth, you know, being going from analysts and having that bird's eye view of how the game has changed and then getting back courtside. And he's kind of a disciplinarian, and that may not be a bad thing. If there were locker room issues with this team and they needed someone to point everyone in the right direction, he wouldn't be bad. I also like his brother. I actually think Stan Van Gundy got a bad rap in Miami after he got fired and let go for Pat Riley to come down from, uh, from his front office seat and eventually win the championship. I'm not so sure they couldn't have won that without Stan Van Gundy. He's tremendous. Are, I mean, yeah, he's tremendous. He was great as an analyst during the uh, playoffs. He knows his basketball. He and I and Eagle. That's my new favorite analyst team. Oh, they're so good. <laughs> I, I may be biased there, but... <laughs> no, they were tremendous. They were so good. And yeah, kudos to uh, the father of Noah Eagle. I mean, yeah, they were tremendous. But do you think Ty lose the guy? Uh, if you had to make that decision. Cause obviously, I mean, neither of us is going to, neither of us even has a say, neither of us has any impact in what we can just talk and just say what we think. I mean, do you think he's the guy? I mean, we don't know much about these other guys. We, I mean, Darvin Ham, we don't know much about him. Um, we, we've just know what we see. What do you think? We know about as much, I think is Adrian Wojnarowski, Chris Haynes, 
and Sham Sharania, which yep. says something because the Clippers front office does not leak. Yeah. And I saw Mark Stein threw this out there. Maybe it was earlier today or yesterday where they were talking about, well, oh, they like Mike Brown. He was someone who's interviewed. If I had to guess, though, if you're asking who I believe would be the next Clippers head coach, I would put my money on Tyron Lue, but I wouldn't be that confident about it. You never know with this front office. And it's the first time they've been in charge with Steve Ballmer of making this decision. So, and it's huge because whoever they hire, they have to win now. <laughs> That's the point of all of this. And you got to love that if you're a Clippers fan, because the expectations have been raised. The bar has been raised. The standard has been raised. I don't even think they would have been satisfied if they got to the Western conference finals for the first time and then lost to the Los Angeles Lakers. There could have been a shakeup even if that had happened. They are a championship or bust type of team. And I, I just believe in Steve Ballmer in this front office so much that no matter who they choose, it's going to end up being the right guy because of how thorough they've been uh, with the way they vet things in the past and mixing and matching and finding the right guys and keeping front office guys that could have got promoted to better jobs or to higher paid jobs, presumably. Steve Ballmer, to me, in six years has made all the right moves. So there's no reason to question him or Jerry West and Lawrence Frank and Michael Winger and all those guys in the front office, they're going to figure this out. But yeah, Tyron Lue just makes the most sense because he's been in this position before where he was elevated and promoted to head coach and got a team over the hump that wasn't able to do so before. But some other names, and I know a lot of people have been talking about him, the NBA hipsters or the uh, people in the know, Dan Craig, (laughs) assistant coach, uh, under Eric Spolster with the Miami Heat. Everyone's looking for that Nick Nurse, that new up-and-comer hot name, a first-time head coach. And Nick Nurse obviously won the championship in his first year. Steve Kerr did the same thing. So it's hard to say. Is it going to be a fresh face? Or is it going to be somebody who has experience but is still young, progressive enough to evolve like Tyron Lu or Mike Brown or someone like that, somebody who's still evolving with the game. That's what you need. Just someone who is going to absolutely maximize the talent on this roster. Yeah. I think you make another, I mean, you make more good points there. And one thing that's interesting and you brought it up is that this organization never really does exactly what you think they're going to do. I mean, the Clippers were supposedly out on Kawhi Leonard And then nobody would have thought that Paul George would have somehow been traded to the Clippers. Nobody saw that coming. Nobody saw Blake Griffin being traded to the Pistons. Nobody saw Tobias Harris being traded to the 76ers. I mean, all these things truly came out of nowhere. So my impression from the outside is that we really have no idea who the person's going to be that gets this job. The person that gets this job is going to be the one that goes into his interview or her interview with Steve Ballmer. And wows his pants off when it comes to his their knowledge of the game of basketball, analytics, because I think that's going to be important in looking at the defensive rating, offensive rating, plus, minus, whatever it is. Because there's so many things now you can look at that we have at our disposal five to ten years ago. I think whoever is able to combine their knowledge of basketball with all of the numbers and all of that is going to be the person that gets hired, whether it's a Darvin Ham, a Tyron Lue, a Becky Hammond. I don't think we know who it's going to be, and I don't think we're going to get leaked who it is going to be. I think that that Mike Brown thing that we got was Mike Brown's agent 
putting it out there to Mark Stein because there's no exactly. way that someone in the Clippers organization is going to go to Mark Stein and say how the interview went with Mike Brown. It's just not going to happen. That's not the way Think this about team works. They, the only report we had on Doc Rivers was from Chris Haynes, who I don't believe has ever been wrong on this scale before, yeah. saying that they're going to run it back with Doc Rivers next season. It didn't happen. He didn't have good intel or something changed. It doesn't happen until they say so, and that's when the story comes out. And I love that about this stealth in the middle of the night work in silence front office. They don't leak anything. Yeah, I love it. And with now the day and age that we're in where Twitter and things are constantly being updated, whether it's a tweet that comes in at 8 o'clock in the morning and then is rectified by 9 a.m. I mean, that's just the way you can do things nowadays with a 24-hour news cycle. You can just post things and update them and change them and X and Y and Z. The Clippers are the one organization right now that you truly have no idea what's going on behind the scenes. And that means they're cohesive. They're a unit that is not to be broken by anybody leaking. And that's something that's really impressive about what Steve Ballmer has done with his Clippers team. And now we go to the offseason. And, of course, the coach is priority number one at this point. But then the free agents are priority number two. And I've asked this to the couple of guests I've had on since the season ended. And I want to get your point of view on what you think is the most important position the Clippers need to address. Because there was talk before the season started last year, Adam, about point guard and center. The Clippers need a backup point guard. They need a backup center. Neither of those were addressed at the deadline. What are your thoughts on what they need to do? Well, you could say they brought in Joakim Noah and they brought in Reggie uh, Jackson. But obviously, on the biggest stage, Noah didn't play really at all, even though he looked pretty good in the seeding games. And Reggie Jackson was a liability defensively, and his shot selection was a little bit erratic. Uh, to say the least, even though he was a knockdown three-point shooter in the playoffs and he started off really good before the hiatus with the Clippers, but that didn't work out. So these are still their biggest needs. I feel like a lot of this obviously depends on what they do with Montrez Harrell. And if they sign him, and I think they will, but people have also brought up a sign and trade with him. And they still have a rookie and this was cited in Yovan Buha's athletic report that one of the reasons that Doc was also, they parted ways mutually, uh, was because he wasn't developing younger players. And Fiondo Cabangeli wasn't even with the team in the bubble. And that was someone they traded a future first-round pick to get back into the first round to draft. And it's a position of need. And he has qualities that you want from a modern day big man. So I wonder if internally he can become something more, but obviously you have to hang on to Jermichael green who has that $5 million player option. Hopefully he stays with the team because I thought he was their best bench player in the playoffs consistently. And if he had played more to soak up some of those Montrez Harold minutes, I believe they get on to the Western conference finals, but I agree. I was doing a little bit of research on some of the free agents available. And if you're talking big men, here was a name that was brought up at the trade deadline. Didn't happen, but Aaron Baines from the Phoenix Suns. He's going to be a free agent. I wouldn't mind him as a backup. Uh is going to be a free agent. Tristan Thompson, Nerlens Noel, 
who I like, who's still just 27 years of age, but the name everybody wants is Serge Ibaka. That's the guy everybody wants because of his experience and he can stretch the floor. He doesn't just have to play inside as a rim runner. So those are some of the bigs that could be available. And I do know this, the Clippers are going to spend and do whatever it takes to win a championship. Yeah, of course. Uh, I think now with the Lakers winning even more so, and, and just the, it's imperative that this team does whatever possible to go out and try and win this season. Cause I've talked about on the podcast. I don't think this is actually going to happen. I don't think Kawhi Leonard and PG will leave, but you do need to show something this year to the two of them. And they have that opt out after this season. And you need to prove that you are very close to winning a title. If you're not going to actually win the title and you bring up a lot of names and Nerlens Noel is one that has been brought up on this podcast as someone that just defends and he does everything you need him to do. And he's not going to be someone that's going to require 25 to 28 minutes and is going to require the ball. That's just not who he is. He's a guy that fits into the team. Just like a guy like Alex Caruso, for example, does knows his role in the Lakers. Nerlens Noel is someone that will know his role. And Tristan Thompson is someone that they brought up in the off. I mean, during the trade deadline as someone that could be a clipper and it just didn't happen. And he wasn't bought out. And you wonder what he would have been to this Clippers team. And then I brought up point guards. I mean, the market's terrible. It, it really is not good. Apart That's from the Dra- problem. <laughs> apart from Drogic, it, it is really bad. And whether it's a, a veteran guard, like a DJ Augustine, I mean, there's really not much out there. So I'll be interested to see what the Clippers do because they always have a trade in their back pocket. And with Trez, personally, I don't think he comes back. I think that a sign and trade would be great for both parties. Um, I just don't think he's the guy that fits into this team because I think he commands too much of the ball. And unfortunately on offense, he's a guy that's going to get the ball and he's going to go to the hoop. And whether, even if it's PG and Kawhi on the floor with him, I think he just doesn't fit as well with the starters. And if he's going to play starter minutes, then that's going to be a problem. And I mean, I, I would like to get, see him get paid by the way, because it would be, really brutal for a guy that had all this stuff off the court to come back to the bubble and see millions upon millions slip away because of how he did in that two month stretch. I mean, it's just unfair to him. He's a hell of a basketball player. I just don't think he fits what this Clippers team is doing. Yeah. And it kind of brings me back to culture and identity with this team thinking about Trez and then I start thinking about Lou Williams and Patrick Beverly, the guys they got from Houston. And I I hope they are able to keep Trez, but I hear your point when he's out there on the floor in the playoffs with Kawhi and Paul George, and somehow there are minus 30, that doesn't even seem possible. I do think a lot of that though, was just him being out of rhythm, uh, out of shape. He didn't look the same. He looked a little bit thinner and his timing was off. And even for someone who's just a rim, rim runner normally, that's still such a huge part of his game. And he needed that. And I, I don't fault him so much for the way he played. I thought it was somewhat expected just because he hadn't played organized basketball in five months. But going back to the identity of this team, that's something I've been thinking about a lot. And what was it this season? Was it versatility? at times, but they didn't unlock all of those lineups that they could have with going really big or going really small, but they got far away from where they were last season and the year before that 
where they were almost turning into that grit and grind Memphis Grizzlies team. And I think part of the reason that they struggled so much at the end of that series with the Denver Nuggets was because when they got punched in the face and they really faced adversity, they didn't have that identity to fall back on, that structure, that foundation of how they do things, partly because they just never had enough on-court time together, but maybe there was a bad mix here and there with a culture clash between the guys who were there before and the guys who were there now or the guys who came in this past offseason. I don't know. It's hard to put your finger on because so much went wrong at once. But I think the main thing I keep coming back to is what was their identity this season? And that's that's unclear to me. Yeah, that, that, they're going to have to figure that out because it really was obvious, not last year, but the year before. I mean, that this team was hard-nosed. They were going to get after it. They were the underdog. They were going to fight no matter what. They would go down 20-plus at Boston and come back. They don't care, and there just wasn't that this season. So uh, whether that means that a guy like PG and Kawhi need to be more vocal and be bigger leaders, I mean, something's going on, whether it be the preferential treatment or they just didn't have it all, and I think they can. I think they can find it because I think that this team did like each other it just came to a point where it just didn't all work and all the pieces didn't work. And I've, I've had Justin Wilson on this podcast several times and you brought up three players in Trez, Pat Beverly and Lou Williams. And he doesn't think that any of the three um, should return. Mm. So it, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Cause I love Pat Beverly. I think he was tremendous defensively. Um, he would have his game. And didn't two. we all say that when they brought in Kawhi and Paul George with their mindsets defensively, that it was going to be a seamless, perfect fit, as seamless as it could be for superstars entering a team that overachieved and won 48 wins last season. That's why I'm a little bit hesitant to make huge moves. Uh, Now, if they do, look, I trust this front office. I trust Steve Ballmer. But the biggest problem to me was they didn't have consistency and continuity, so they didn't have chemistry. Right. And they just didn't have enough time on the court with one another. And they eventually ran out of time because I thought the hiatus for them was going to be a blessing in disguise originally, where they get a chance to regroup and reset and have that full training camp with everybody, which they didn't have in September of 2019. But then seven guys, key guys were outside the bubble for, for various reasons. So the same thing that hurt them during the normal regular season, it hurt them inside the bubble. They just never had enough practice time. And then you hear, hear about at the end of game seven, guys are checking out of the game because they weren't conditioned well enough. And maybe they weren't practicing enough because they only had 10 guys there for a while inside the bubble. Just so much went wrong that unexpectedly went wrong that you just couldn't account for this season, at least when we first were at that press conference or watched that press conference with Kawhi and Paul George, where I really felt like this is a perfect place for those two players to match up with the team of last season. I I thought it would be a perfect fit and maybe it still will be, but to me, it's about more seasoning and more on court time than anything else. Yeah. and, And honestly, that's true. That really is how everybody thought it was going to be. And when you get to the playoffs and all of a sudden you need to play zoo 30 plus minutes and you didn't do that during the regular season and you start doing things that this team is not used to on top of 
only, I believe, 19 total games that this team had everybody healthy. And you're right. You bring up a really good point. And I think what we're going to find, Adam, is that if a big move is made and you don't see a guy like Trez return, you don't see a guy like Lou return, I believe that Ballmer is going to talk to every person. It's going to find out what's going on with the team. And if somebody is moved, that means I think that something was going on and that this team just does not mesh as well. If nothing happens, I think that that means that they this team is fit to play together and it just didn't work out because of, like you said, the on-court didn't have enough reps together. They were consistently inconsistent, but the highs were unbelievable for this team. Setting records with 50-point wins. That game five against Dallas where they win by 40 points, they looked as good as ever, but they couldn't carry over consistency from game to game, let alone quarter to quarter, which is really which was their downfall against the Denver Nuggets when they had good first halves, five games, five, six, and seven, and then things flipped on their head in the second half. They just never had that consistency. They couldn't stay in rhythm and trust the offense enough. I don't know what it was, but I know to gather consistency, to get some of that, you got to be on the court together more. And yeah. that never really happened. Yeah. For me, it was that weekend, the Saturday, Sunday, when they played, Memphis and the Knicks and just did not Mm. look good at all in either game. I mean, for me, it was just, you can't do that. You can't do that. You can't mess around with teams that you should be beating and whether someone's hurt or not, because in one of those games, I don't think Kawhi played. um, And in one of those games, I don't think PG played, but nonetheless, I mean, you just had too much talent and and unfortunately it didn't work out, but we'll see next year, man. We will see next year. And uh, I want to thank you for, Coming on this podcast this entire season, you have been more than I could have ever asked for, and you gave me so much time and so much great insight, and I just want to thank you for coming on the pod throughout the year because it was tremendous talking to you, and I love talking Clippers basketball with you. Well, that's a nice way of saying I talk too much. I appreciate it, though, Brandon. (laughs) Not at all. Not at all. (laughs) No, man. Thank you for having me on. It's been a blast, man. Anytime. You know that. Great. All right, cool. We'll catch up to you, catch up with you later in the offseason. All right, Adam? Sounds good. And that was Adam Osland. What a treat to have him on. Just just a good guy, all around great fella. You can follow him on Twitter at follow Adam A. Just does a tremendous job over at 570. So a big thanks to him for hopping on. A big thanks to you for listening. And there is one parting gift. If you want to win money, I have a place that you can go to. What you how how Brandon? What do you, what do you know that I don't know? How about you go to my bookie? You heard me, my bookie. Up to the minute odds on all your favorite teams, whether it's NBA, which obviously just ended, baseball, which is starting to wrap up, Premier League, NHL, NFL, college football. They've got you covered with so many different ways to win. Whether it's live in-game betting, whether it's futures betting, whether it's just a normal bet before the game starts, they've got you covered with all of those different options, and they want you to begin exploring the world of online sports betting. And let's say, hey, you don't really know what you're doing, you follow sports but not close enough, you don't really know the lines as well, how about you follow the HoopBall Gaming Twitter account? Our friends over at HoopBall, Devin, Ira and the gang, they do a tremendous job of going in-depth with teams that you want 
no business going in depth with. It is tremendous what they do at Hoopball Gaming is where you can follow their stuff and then go to my bookie and they'll match your deposit 100%. All you got to do is enter the promo code Hoopball when signing up. That's the promo code Hoopball when signing up at my bookie. The terms are simple. You bet, you win, they pay. Now, what do we have coming up? Hopefully a lot of goodness for you guys. This is going to be an off-season that is going to be interesting because you have a new coach that's going to be hired at some point. You're going to have big free agency decisions with Montrez Harrell, Reggie Jackson, Jermichael Green. Maybe they do something with Lou Williams and Pat Beverly. Maybe a trade on the docket. I don't, I don't know. We'll see. A lot is going to happen this offseason. So we're going to have you covered. We're going to try and bring on people you've heard before and perhaps some names you haven't heard before. And if there is a name that you has not been on this podcast that you want to hear, hit me up on Twitter at BD Marcus. That's at BD Marcus. There is the Hoopball Clips Twitter account that always tweets out the podcast. Follow them as well. And if you get a chance, please go to iTunes. Give us a five-star rating. Review the podcast. It does help a ton. So we're going to have a lot coming. We're going to be giving you a podcast once a week until this thing gets up and going again. And unless something crazy happens, which is very possible now when you're looking for a head coach and you have a very big offseason ahead of you. But before I say goodbye, a big thank you again. I've said it before, but to all of you, you're the reason why I do this. And our numbers are getting better and better every single podcast. We're hitting numbers I did not think we were going to hit, and it's because of you, the listener. So please share this with your friends that are Clippers fans or NBA fans, and just thank you. So until next time, I'm Brandon Marcus, and have a good one, everybody, and go Clips. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.